Welcome, friends. This is Historical AF. I'm Keenan. And I'm Megan. We are a historian and a special guest delivering you the weird, nope, <laughs> delivering you the spooky and morbid historical ocean nugs you never knew you needed in your ear holes. I am so excited. I am joined by one of the spooky science sisters today. Yay. <laughs> I discovered your podcast, Listening to Insanely Haunted, who were guests for our TV episode. So oh, nice. we talked about Zach Bagans. <laughs> As you should. Have to. So yeah, I discovered you guys on there. And I just, I love the idea of throwing science into the paranormal. Yeah. And just debunking. <laughs> I, especially like history, I end up debunking everything anyway. But it's still really fun to dive into that world. Tell everybody about your podcast before I just spoil all of it. To preface this really terrible at elevator speeches. So <laughs> this will be great. No. But yeah, so Spooky Science Sisters, we've been doing it since beginning of quarantine. And here we are nine months later. But I'm one half and I do the show with my sister-in-law, Paige. And we are both scientists by training and I guess by trade now and both have a really strong interest in the paranormal and just sort of the, you know, strange and unusual and weird. So we thought it would be super fun to do a podcast where we take the skeptical approach and look at the sort of the science behind or possible scientific explanations behind you know, famous spooky stories. We've done like debunking ghosts uh, or famous hauntings. We've done stuff about Bigfoot. We've done, you know, stuff about the Navy UFO videos. So it's kind of all over the place. But yeah, it's it's been fun. <laughs> We've met a lot of fun people. <laughs> what is your favorite spooky genre like ghosts or monsters or cryptids or oh fame yeah favorite genre yeah so i am a huge fan of horror movies <laughs> as well and definitely the things that i like the best is it's either aliens or ghosts want to believe in ghosts with every <laughs> fiber of my being and i go to haunted places all the time and i'm just yeah. like haunt me you fucks and they never do <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Welcome to our entire podcast. <laughs> it's frustrating. I do talk a lot of shit about aliens on this podcast. So I'm afraid that if they do exist, I'm on a list. They're coming well, for me. Because okay. I, the hill I will die on is that they did not build the pyramids. <laughs> oh. I, have, I have no doubt they're probing shit and like zipping around, but I just don't think they built anything. <laughs> yes. We have talked frequently about or have brought up frequently we haven't done a sh an episode on it yet but about what a load of horseshit ancient aliens is so mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> elon musk the other day was like aliens built the pyramids and i was like no <laughs> cool you're racist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what kind of scientist are you oh yes i am a geologist Specifically, I'm a geochemist. I did my PhD in igneous petrology, which is looking at, um, or I guess, well, igneous petrology or igneous geochemistry. So looking at the chemistry of volcanoes. Oh, wow. So, yes. And then now I do more like low temperature stuff. I, I'm a lab manager, so I do more what the what the people in the biz would call low temperature stuff but looking more at like chemical signatures 
in tiny little, actually tiny little ocean fossils. <laughs> oh, how cool. So, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so we do a lot of work. Actually, we have a lot of cool projects right now looking at chemical signatures that relate to things like ocean acidity and ocean temperature across major extinction events that have happened in the past. So events like the end Permian extinction, for example, that wiped out like 94% of life on earth and stuff. So it's like, we want to understand what was happening to the earth's climate and what was happening to the ocean since it's that's where most life is to understand those big extinction events. Oh, yes, so, yeah. please. So we don't have another one. <laughs> figure that <Right>. out. <laughs> yes. Although, as the harbinger of terrible news that I am, a lot of people would argue that we are currently in the midst of the next mass extinction event so yeah i have yeah. read stuff on that and then i had to stop because it was terrifying me <laughs> so I was like, oh. yes hey, so the bundle of sunshine <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> okay <laughs> so anyway <laughs> spooky things about the ocean huh well do we want to jump into it sure <laughs> jump right into the spooky <laughs> confidence i can with confidence with confidence yeah well i know i'm just you know it's fine okay so since i do the podcast spooky science sisters (laughs) and since our podcast is mainly about looking at the science behind the spooky i sort of tried to in covering the spooky topic regarding oceans, give it a little bit of a scientific twist. So we'll see how that goes. Or I'll just be taking all the fun out of spooky stuff, which is <laughs> what I do best, apparently. Never. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you guys mentioned this before on the previous oceans episode, but the... Ocean, I guess, just like inherently to me is spooky because we know so little about it and it's just so enormous. Yeah, it's (laughs) Um, terrifying how little we know about it. Right. Yeah. So you guys mentioned the statistic that over 80% of it is unmapped. We haven't seen it. It's unexplored because to do those things is difficult and expensive. And yeah, you also mentioned that the deepest part is 36,000 feet deep, which is 8,000 feet more than Mount Everest. And that is absurd. My brain can't even comprehend that. It's Yes. Yes. Insane. So I feel similarly about the ocean as I do when I start thinking about like the vastness of space. (laughs) Yes. That's always the thing. It's like. Which which one am I more terrified of? And I don't know. Like, right. I don't want to go either. Like, right. The ocean. So part of my my little intro is just like the ocean is just sort of inherently freaky, and it's also very dangerous. And I won't retread too much ground. But you guys mentioned there are, I think she said a million. I had read there were about three million shipwrecks across the planet. And some of those are thousands of years old, and we've only um, we've only 
Oh, sorry, I'm spacing out. This is just how things go. It's fine. It's it's fine. I've been chasing my toddler around all day. Um, okay, so they've only visited about ten percent of the shipwrecks that have been located. And that accounts for only about 1% of the total ones in the world. So that's crazy. And how that relates to the spooky is that, of course, because there are so many shipwrecks and so many stories about them, it sparks a lot of ghost stories. So in the U.S., there are places like the Graveyard of the Atlantic and the Graveyard of the Pacific, which are both along particularly dangerous stretches of coastline and on those at those places there are plenty of stories about ghost ships and all that and there are like just a lot of famous ghost ship stories so one of the things that we come across on our show a lot is just this idea that like you get a confirmation bias <laughs> so like the fact that you know oh there's so many shipwrecks in this particular area it's going to like prime your brain to interpret strange things you see as ghosts or ghost ships and yeah i thought like what are the what would happen <laughs> or why why might people think that they see a ghost ship so i guess there's a couple scientific explanations. First, there's something called the Feta Morgana, which again, no idea how to pronounce that. Um, <laughs> but it's a type of mirage due to a thermal inversion that distorts light waves and causes an optical illusion where it appears that a ship, and in this case, it's like a real actual ship, is floating above the horizon and is distorted. But the actual ship would be like just below the horizon, the visible horizon, or potentially behind like a low-lying piece of land. So that might explain why people see what they think are ghost ships, and then it turns out it's just a regular ship and this like weird optical illusion. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like weird stuff, like there's bioluminescence, which you guys talked about some, so, you know, if you saw glowing in the water or there's the chance of maybe even some sort of like ignition of like flammable gas at the surface. So there's like all sorts of weird things about the ocean that sort of just freak me out. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of spooky things that people see. And where I spent most of my time here looking into spooky ocean stuff was to look at stories of sea monsters because obviously hundreds of years ago most of the long distance travel that people were doing was via ship mm -hmm. and yeah it just seems like stories about sea monsters were a lot more prevalent <laughs> when more of the earth was unexplored and yeah there was just a lot more unknown so one of the things I thought of immediately was if you look at old maps, they frequently will show depictions of sea monsters on them. And yeah, to me, I guess I I immediately thought, why is that? <laughs> why would you show all these like bizarre animals and like things dragging ships down, whatever? So I guess it wasn't you know, it wasn't that they actually thought 
necessarily that there were monsters all over the place. Some of it was that these cartographers were actually trying to draw representations of sea life, like according to the, you know, quote unquote, scientists at the time or people who who were in the know at the time. And part of the reason that they look so bizarre is because I guess there was a belief that potentially stretches back to the first century that all land animals had an equivalent in the ocean. So like there were like, yes. So like, that's why you see like weird things on maps, like fish with lion heads and stuff, because it's like, oh, they thought like there were sea dogs or sea lions and not like the sea lions that we think of now but like a lion (laughs) that was aquatic (laughs) that is so interesting (laughs) it's just so weird (laughs) i never thought of it but it totally makes sense now if you think about the things you've seen on maps that they do look like Mm -hmm. weird Mm -hmm. land animals uncle can think oh that's yeah so it was like they thought that all land animals had an ocean equivalent (laughs) Um, yes and they also tended to draw you know actual ocean animals that we know of today with sort of beast-like features like you can see there are some famous examples I guess of of whales that look like they sort of have these monstrous heads and they're attacking ships Mm -hmm. and what they attribute that to is basically just that um, it relates to to sailors having no flipping idea what a whale is. <laughs> <laughs> so to them, like, you know, you see a whale jump out of the water and you think like, oh my gosh, it's, it's readying itself to attack our ship for sure. So it's just these cartographers are getting these stories of these like enormous ocean beasts that, you know, they think are going to attack the ship. <laughs> so to that point <laughs> a lot of information that these cartographers were working from was brought back by sailors who were you know generally hundreds of years ago probably uneducated and probably fairly superstitious people as well and if I were speculating wildly, which I will do, um, <laughs> I would, I would suppose that factors like, you know, dehydration, malnutrition, disease, sort of just like a little bit of cabin fever from being stuck on a ship for a long time, like, might make people see some weird shit. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> While they were out. <laughs> And if you think about it, you know, you've got probably a ton of ships that sail out and just never come back. So (laughs) sea monsters are, you know, sort of a great explanation for, well, that's it for those people. (laughs) So So long. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, so the other thing about this, uh, about there being sea monsters on maps, that is that it, it may also have just been a way that they represented uncharted or unknown areas. And a lot of them that you see on maps were on 
more decorative maps that people would hang in their homes. So like people just like to embellish. So yes, like you get all these like weird, creepy looking creatures on there and it's, it's yeah, mostly like they just, they just didn't really know (laughs) what was going on (laughs) in the ocean. Okay. So there are though a lot of real spooky creatures in the ocean. And as you mentioned in your last episode, there are for sure a lot that haven't even been discovered, which of course is like the theme of a lot of scary movies in the ocean. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, importantly, there are some specific uh, mythical creatures or monsters that I guess sort of fall under the paranormal umbrella that probably have real life counterparts and sort of non-paranormal explanations. So since that is what I do, that's what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) My body is ready. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is why I was questioning it. I was like, maybe this isn't spooky enough. (laughs) Okay. Everything is spooky enough if you want it enough. Yes. Kind of freak yourself out and it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the first is the, I guess, one of the ones that I feel like must immediately come to most people's mind. And it's what I first thought of is the Kraken. Yes. So, yes. So this is an enormous, I guess, octopus or squid-like beast, but was mainly said to live off the coasts of Norway and Greenland, or at least maybe that's where a lot of the mythology or stories come from, but with giant tentacles that could drag fishermen or potentially even entire ships filled with sailors under the water. And if you were out at sea and you started to see or you started to catch a large number of fish or you saw a large number of fish starting to rise up under your boat, it was a sign that the Kraken was close by because it was lurking underneath your ship and scaring all the fish to the surface. <laughs> and in reality, it was like, well, there was probably like a whale down there or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also said that the Kraken would create a huge whirlpool that would suck everything down into the depths when it descended again. So like pretty terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Story. Uh, In theory until you're (laughs) about to get swallowed by a kraken. Yes. Yes. And there are like plenty of real life ocean situations where I think just like, you know, disappearing forever beneath the waves is possible. But in reality, the kraken is probably actually based on sightings of giant squids. So also terrifying. (laughs) Also terrifying. Yes. This is like a common theme that we talk about is like, yes, spooky stuff, like paranormal stuff, very scary, but the real life stuff also terrifying. And yeah, I'm, I'm like, so I love swimming. I love being in the ocean and like have done a lot of snorkeling and stuff like that but I'm also a hundred percent one of those people where if I'm like in the water I can't think too hard about what is below me <laughs> yes yeah every time I go to the ocean like my honeymoon we were 
out late and everybody else had gone home and we were just mm-hmm. like still in the ocean. And I'm just like, there's a shark behind me. I just know it. <laughs> right. <laughs> know it. And then I finally left. <laughs> there was a shark attack on that beach that day and I didn't know about it. Oh, and I was like, no. I knew it. I sensed it. I you sensed it. it. That is spooky. But in my head, it plays <laughs> out like a scene from Jaws, even though that's not likely because they're more scared of you than you are of them. But yeah. in my head, it was brutal. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yes. So very, very creeped out. And yeah, giant squid are just like generally freaky. <laughs> um, but so they were, their existence was confirmed, I guess, in 1857 by a naturalist whose name I will also <laughs> butcher. <laughs> uh, his name was, I think it's Iapetus Steenstrup. What a name. Yeah, it's spelled J-A-P-E-T-U-S, but I think he was Dutch. I think it's Iapetus. I don't really know, but either way. That sounds good. It's fine. But now we know there are 21 different species of giant squids, which is a lot more species than I was hoping there would be. (laughs) I didn't know there were so many. Yeah, I had no idea. I thought like there was giant squid and that's it. And then it's like, there's regular and giant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah, there's like a ton of species of of smaller squid as well. So Mm -hmm. it's, they're very impressive animals. Um, But it's been argued that a lot of sea monster sightings um, or stories that you can read about were actually sightings of giant squid and giant squid themselves like the ocean are also still very mysterious so we only got the first picture of them alive in either 2004 or 2005 and a video of them wasn't captured until 2013 wow yeah and this is because they tend to stay in very deep water because they want to avoid their natural predator which is sperm whales and so a lot of what we know is from dead ones that have washed ashore they've gotten samples out of sperm whale stomachs Uh, And a lot of size estimates are based on having to extrapolate the length of these using measurements of their beak, which is part of their mouth, like it's what the part that they use to bite and eat prey, and their mantle, which is a hard portion of their body that sits above their head. So the longest that's ever been recorded of one of these from these extrapolated measurements was around 14.3 meters, which is about 46 feet long. That's a lot of nope. (laughs) Yes. And like that's an animal that weighed probably around a ton. So they are enormous. Um, And that's only the largest one that's been that's been measured so it's likely that larger ones exist we just like haven't seen them up at the surface yeah the proposed maximum length for them is around 27 meters which is about 88 feet long so jesus (laughs) (laughs) that's an enormous thing yeah it would be hard to find because the only thing that would really survive from a like a carcass would be the beak right yeah so that's the thing is yeah when they have found them they're usually not in great shape they do have a couple whole whole specimens that are 
I forget what museum they're displayed at, but they have them displayed maybe at the Smithsonian. And yeah, now they've like obviously captured the video of them and stuff. But a lot of it is like they only find the hard parts because otherwise squids are invertebrates. So they are quite squishy and (laughs) (laughs) they get broken down very quickly. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. That's that's like megalodon size right wasn't the megalodon like 80 something oh holy cow i have no idea i should know (laughs) listen i covered it in like episode six so it's been a long time (laughs) i don't remember i remember it was freakishly large and yeah yeah here's like true confessions the only thing i know about the megalodon is from reading or from watching the movie The Meg and <laughs> <laughs> from years before that reading the book that it's based on. Oh, there's a book? Yeah, it's actually that. based on a book, which is I remember the book being really good. So yeah. Um I need But that's obviously now. not real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they took some liberties. <laughs> The Texas State Aquarium has a replica of a giant megalodon mm-hmm. jaw, and you can stand at it. And I'm six foot, and I still look small in it. So mm-hmm. she big. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. We'll have to look up how big those sharks are, because I don't know. Um, but although squids are very large boys, they are <laughs> not big enough to they're probably not big enough to like kill fishermen or they wouldn't want to (laughs) or to like drag down entire ships but you could see like people have spotted them near the surface so you could imagine how sailors who again are this sort of superstitious lot and you know there may be a little bit crazy out on their boats for a while like if they saw one that would be sort of scary yeah (laughs) um and it's also worth noting that they have observed a lot of sperm whales that actually have scars on them from encounters with giant squids so like potentially that's like big whales and giant squids just fighting each other in the depths of the ocean so that's like some i don't know (laughs) King Kong versus Godzilla stuff. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know. It just really freaks me out knowing that that stuff is down there. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think about it all the time. Yes. So that's giant squid. Um, But it is worth, like, looking up the videos that they've taken on of them now because they are super cool animals. But you could see, yeah, how you might think. Like, that is a horrible monster from the depths of the ocean. (laughs) Okay. So, another, uh, and maybe not, well, no, that's not true. Mermaids are, like, definitely spooky because mermaids, yeah, yeah, in the context of, like, folklore or, like, they're not, like, the nice, like, little mermaid mermaids. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Like, sirens that, like lure you onto the rocks and yeah. you know drag you into the ocean so 
<laughs> Even like the original Little Mermaid was like really depressing as shit. Like she turns into sea foam and everybody dies. Yes. That's right. Yeah, I remember yeah. reading the the non-Disney-fied version of that story and it was super super sad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay oh, <yeah. laughs> moving on so anyway so there are a lot of stories about mermaids and they date back to i guess 5000 bc so a lot of people oh, wow. and i think that was like some aquatic like god figure or something but either way aquatic humanoid figures there have been stories about them for a long time and since then obviously a lot of people have claimed to see them or claimed to have encounters with them and i guess one of the most notable which i had no idea until i looked into this is that christopher columbus claimed (laughs) yes claimed to have spotted three mermaids off the coast of the dominican republic in 1493 god what a dumbass I had so much rage towards Christopher Columbus. I yes. Spoiler alert in my story. I think I say fuck Columbus like five times. <laughs> well, I'm trying to bring up these bad memories. Oh, um, it was probably like a manatee or something. Exactly. Yeah. So he specifically noted that they were quite a bit uglier than the depictions of him <laughs> that he had seen and he like said it more nicely than that but that was like basically the gist is like these are really ugly for mermaids and so i guess what they think that he and other explorers in the area were probably seeing were manatees or one of their cousins the dugong, dugong. um that's yeah. a name Yeah, and it has to do with, like, the way that their pectoral fins are positioned, but also the way their tail looks. It's just, like, and and I guess the way that they'll sometimes position their bodies in the water, like, people will just think, like, oh, that's the bottom half of a mermaid. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) the order that they belong to is actually called Serenia, so it comes from the fact that they have... Like they're that they're associated with sirens or mermaids or have this like mermaid like appearance, so that is just really weird. <laughs> oh, they're my favorite. I love mermaids. I, I love that they <laughs> like they have no natural prey. They are not a predator. They just hang out. Like the only thing yes. that hurts them is humans. But it just yes, I love them so much. They just yeah. eat all day and just look cool. Yeah, gold. Which, yes. <laughs> My husband and I, like, when we go swimming or, like, if I take a bath or something, we just say, like, I'm going to go manatee. And it's just basically, like, floating. I'm going to go manatee. Uh, that's, yes. So, a little look into my marriage. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, without a doubt, one of the greatest moments of my life was when I was on a cruise and, like, one of the stops that we made I don't know, on some like manufactured cruise ship island. It was unclear. Um, <laughs> it was unclear where we were, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> beside the point, we were like snorkeling and hanging out at the beach, and then some manatees showed up, and so we got to like swim around with them, and it was super magical. So, yes, dreams that is my dream. Yes, so that's very off topic, but. <laughs> I'm like in, I don't know if you're obsessed with TikTok, but I am. I'm in like manatee TikTok and it's amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm 
super jealous that you are in manatee <laughs> i that's another one thing that i got started a podcast in quarantine and got super addicted to tiktok during quarantine oh, same. <laughs> i actually like if somebody funny pops up like i'll go in their comments I'm like not in a weird way do you want to come on my podcast <laughs> I've had one person say yes so far. The rest of them are probably like, what the fuck's wrong with her? Yeah. No, that's fine. There's like a guy who on there who says that he is a paranormal investigator and he like frequently debunks like people's ghost videos on TikTok. And I'm like sort of stalking him a little bit to be like, oh. Here's your shot. You might say yes. <laughs> Do you just want to come on our <laughs> podcast and talk about like, ghosts? I'm not weird, I promise. But <laughs> I have a podcast. There's like not a cool way of saying that. You're just like, I have a podcast. Right. <laughs> Please come up. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> so, mermaids, probably they're manatees, and Christopher Columbus potentially, or claimed that he saw some mermaids. So, some other mistaken monster sightings things like like flashes from large schools of fish passing beneath boats uh, might appear like something really large under the water they're like freaking enormous jellyfish which i came across when i was researching for this and that made me very uncomfortable um oh lord (laughs) there are huge oar fish which are like enormous serpent-like fish which i guess makes sense why when you catch them in animal crossing they're so huge <laughs> yes that is also something i was obsessed with my, third, <laughs> yes. my third quarantine thing uh, anyway real life oarfish though are freaky <laughs> they look like some sort of bizarre sea serpent so like for sure people are think as a monster (laughs) oh yeah that makes sense too because when i've seen some like drawings of sea monsters yeah i could see the similarity yeah Yeah. okay and then finally again i'm gonna speculate wildly (laughs) (laughs) but another scary ocean phenomena is these rogue waves that can happen And so I was wondering, like, I wonder if those are responsible for some of the, like, monster stories, ships getting swallowed whole kind of thing. Because rogue waves, so they thought that they were a myth. They thought that people were just mistaken or making them up. I don't know. But until, and it wasn't until 1995, that a sudden 85-foot wave was recorded on an oil drilling platform off the coast of Norway that, yeah, was, like, otherwise surrounded by, like, 40-foot waves, which are still huge, but apparently not particularly notable in terms of... (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, like, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, like, it was a sudden huge wave that hit this oil drilling platform and there have been there's been anecdotal evidence and observations from sailors other vessels suggesting that there have been other rogue waves observed up to 133 feet high which is 
absurd um a long list of these encounters with them and it's also i guess sort of ocean adjacent because it's a lighthouse but it's like one of the proposed explanations for the disappearance of the eileen moore lighthouse keepers in the flannan isles oh cool i mean not cool for them but not yeah not cool for them but yeah like one of the proposed explanations is that the the lighthouse got hit by some rogue wave and like yeah washed one or all of them off the rock essentially wow that would be a terrifying way to go yes (laughs) (laughs) relatively quick i don't know um the last thing i want to see yeah so of course i'm like looking through all this stuff and thinking like i wonder what some of these stories of ships just like getting sucked down into the depths instantly by like some sort of enormous beast were actually you know they got hit by some giant rogue wave and sort of just folded under the ocean and were gone because that could totally happen so yeah and apparently they even get them on the great lakes like it's one of the things that they think probably happened to the Edmund Fitzgerald in Lake Superior. So, yeah, I've heard that like parts of the Great Lakes are almost like a graveyard of sunken ships. And then because there's not enough microorganisms to eat away at the wood and stuff, most of them are really preserved. Yeah. yeah, and they're so cold. So it's crazy. Lake Superior oh. is awesome. I am thinking of someone who lives. Right near Lake Michigan and like grew up mostly around the Great Lakes. <laughs> okay, so that is kind of my disjointed tour of various spooky things related to oceans. In summary, there are millions of shipwrecks. There are tons of stories of weird sea creatures. There are actual giant weird sea creatures that exist, which really freak me out. And huge waves that strike at random. So, yeah. So, so my concluding statement is, damn nature, you scary. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Log that away for future nightmare fuel. (laughs) All the ways the ocean can kill you. Less spooky. I yeah, you're supposed to be doing morbid, and I'm supposed to be doing spooky. And I did more like <laughs> the ocean is fucking terrifying. <laughs> it is though, and it's just the unknown aspect of it that we know yeah. so little. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Like who? Oh. Literally, what is even down there? I don't know. <laughs> we do not know. That's the thing. It's like. The things we have discovered are probably like the weakest if they're like showing up at the top, you know. Oh, so like, no. The worst of it are the probably ones that can hide and stay down there. So we don't yeah. even know. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah, probably, like, yeah. I mean, of all places, like, okay, here, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. Of all places. So you said that you have like a thing about aliens or whatever and building the pyramids and everything like i think you would have an easier time convincing me that there's some sort of like sentient intelligent race or some sort of creature like living deep beneath the ocean that we don't know about that like there's ufos buzzing around like probing people or helping people build the pyramids or whatever 100 <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent you know that is a fair argument <laughs> and we will get into it <laughs> yeah 
yeah, that makes the parents in my story. <laughs> Wait, it does? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I went to a lot of weird places. <laughs> but uh, so did I, apparently. <laughs> I really thought this was a little less disjointed, but it was not. <laughs> no, it was perfect. This is like, I am so ADD that like... <laughs> That makes sense to me. Like, that's how my brain works. Like, I bounce around so much that that just, it's calling to me because it's, oh, it's how I focus. So, <laughs> since I already covered a morbid as fuck shipwreck with some cannibalism and murder, I decided to cover a lot of shipwrecks and plane wrecks for this segment instead. Was there cannibalism? There's no evidence either way. So, we could just assume yes because all roads lead to cannibalism on this podcast. <laughs> We're just going to assume yes. <laughs> and then since we have a spooky science sister here, this topic was perfect since, you know, as science, I am going to talk about the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> talk about what it is. Is it real? How did I fit aliens into another story? We're going to find it all out. <laughs> so the Bermuda Triangle, a.k.a. the Devil's Triangle, the Limbo of the Lost, the oh, Twilight right. Zone, and the Hoodoo Sea, is a section of the Atlantic Ocean that forms a triangle with points at Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. And the range is debated. Some people say it's a little lower than Miami, so it kind of changes. But most agree that it's around 500,000 square miles of ocean. And then there's also some people that say it's as big as a million square miles. Either way, she big. Fun fact, the term Bermuda Triangle wasn't actually coined until February of 1964 when Vincent Gaddis wrote an article titled The Deadly Bermuda Triangle for Argosy Magazine. He cited an uncommon amount of shipwrecks and aircraft disappearances in the area and offered atmospheric aberrations and magnetic disturbances as possible explanations. Hmm. And then according to Time Magazine, between 1946 and 1991, there were over 100 disappearances of ships and planes. So essentially, it is also a spooky graveyard of people and vessels. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Lots of spooky graveyards in the ocean. It's terrifying. <laughs> I have so, so many thoughts. <laughs> so long before the myth of the triangle became really popular, Bermuda had already had a reputation as being like this witchy demon island. Mm-hmm. It was nicknamed the Devil's Island by early sea travelers. And if history is taught as anything, it's that dudes are going to be afraid of everything. So including like loud birds and wild pigs so they'd hear a pig grunt on the shore they were like demon and then if they heard like a bird cackle they were like witch <laughs> so it was going great <laughs> excellent <laughs> it has a lot of stabby reefs and then really shallow waters which is a terrible combination so a lot of shipwrecks yeah a 1609 pamphlet described the island as, quote, a most prodigious and enchanted place, affording nothing but gusts, storms, and foul weather. And they even compared it to Scylla and, oh, I even spelt this out so I wouldn't get it. Charybdis? Charybdis. I looked it up. If I messed it up, I'm sorry. <laughs> Which are the two places where the sirens originated in Homer's oh. Odyssey. So the idea that they get lured to the reefs crash and then die. yeah <laughs> and allegedly yeah. the first recorded account of the bermuda triangle was none other than the dude that is number two on the historical af fuck you list columbus who's number one hitler 
I'm like a little embarrassed now that I asked that, like that I didn't just know, like definitely it would be Hitler. I mean, it's like in no particular order because we okay. have all kinds of people on it. But like yeah. every time we have an episode and we're like, fuck that guy, I just put it on a list. <laughs> oh, I finally, <laughs> shameless plug, I actually added a tab to the website that's fucky list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you can go on there. And if I, I past Keena was like, write that down i did not so right remember something i said and i did not put up their email link (laughs) (laughs) somebody's gonna go through and find them all (laughs) all right so i want to rage real quick about how many sources i found that said quote on his voyage to discover america first of all this douche canoe Thought he was finding a new route to India, China, Japan, and the Spice Islands to bring back silks and spices. Second of all, he committed atrocities against native peoples on the islands and decimated their populations. And third of all, he never set foot on North America. He landed on Caribbean islands and later explored like the coast of Central and South America. But he never even came to North America. And fourth of all, just fuck him. Fuck this guy. I hate him. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Anywho, while he was in the Bermuda Triangle, this fuckstick, along with his crew, noted weird occurrences in his logbook. Like he had a haywire compass, a rough sea, he saw strange lights, and then he saw a burst of a flame falling into the sea. But there's science! Yay! So flames falling into the sea could have been a meteor. And the compass could have been because at the time, the triangle was one of the few places on Earth where true north and magnetic north lined up perfectly. So if we didn't account for that, it would throw off everything. And I'll get back to that a little bit later. But anyway, fuck Columbus. We're going to move on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Side note, I'm very sorry if you can hear my dog like pathetically crying at the top of the (laughs) stairs right now. It is okay. My dogs will start barking any minute now. <laughs> he's just standing up there and I keep like muting and unmuting, hoping that he'll stop. But it's gonna uh, creep in. The cat was screaming earlier too. I don't know if you heard it. <laughs> okay. Ooh, all right. So in 1881, legend has it that the Ellen Austin, a ship sailing from Liverpool to New York, encountered a ghost ship in the Bermuda Triangle. And then things really escalated really quickly. So when the Ellen Austin approached the foggy waters of the Sargasso Sea, I think that's how you say it, it's an area of the Atlantic Ocean that overlaps with the Bermuda Triangle. So the crew encountered this fully stocked abandoned ship. So it's just full of food and booze and everything they want. So the captain's like, sweet, we hit the jackpot. Let's take it. We're going to put some crew on the ship and then we're going to sail side by side. As soon as they split the crew up, there was a massive storm and it separated the two ships. And when they reunited the next day, the, there was absolutely no trace of that crew. So it was abandoned once again. And not learning anything from this, the captain tried boarding it again. But when the crew members got aboard for the second time, a thick and blinding fog rolled in and it separated the ships. And when the fog finally cleared, the ghost ship had completely vanished along with the rest of the crew. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's also terrifying. <laughs> Just disappearing into just the board again. <laughs> no in 1918 the u.s navy's largest and fastest fuel ship the uss cyclops disappeared en route from the caribbean to baltimore with 309 crew members and they didn't leave a single trace of what happened to them the captain never sent a distress signal no one answered the radio calls from hundreds of ships that were in the area 
So there's theories of mutiny, storms, poison, and torpedoes circulating, but none of them made much sense. If there was a wreck, there would have been debris, you would think. And why was there no distress call when they had a lot of like really high-tech equipment? Because this was a really new military ship. And Mm -hmm. then it didn't lack fuel. Yeah. Funnily enough, I was just scrolling through some stuff on my phone while you were chit-chatting about this. Mm -hmm. um, And it mentioned that specific ship. And in the context of some people think that it might have gotten hit by a rogue wave. (laughs) What? Is that like the Bermuda Triangle? Like, because of its location, can be like hit by storms from all directions. So I guess it like could be a really prime spot for there to be maybe a few more rogue waves. And yeah, so like maybe maybe it's like I said, it just got you know hit and totally obliterated slash sunk to the bottom. That would make a lot more sense than some of the other things people said. <laughs> it's aliens, isn't it? Yes. So, quote, there's been no more baffling mystery to the annals of the Navy than the disappearance of last March of the USS Colossus Cyclops. And that was from Navy Secretary Josephus. Oh, that's a fun name. Daniels. And he wrote that in 1919. So even the military is like, we don't fucking know. Tis a mystery. And then in 1941, a Navy ship called the USS Proteus was carrying 58 passengers and a cargo of ore from St. Thomas to the East Coast. So it suddenly vanished in the Bermuda Triangle. One month later, its sister ship, the USS Nereus, also disappeared with 61 people in the same route. So that one's just interesting that the sister ship's exact same route disappeared at the same time. Nobody knows what happened to him. But like I said, lots of storms in this area. And we'll get into that a little bit, too. <laughs> and there's a lot of these but the last one i'm really going to talk about is more of the wilder ones so on december 5th 1945 five military tbm avenger torpedo bombers took off from a naval base in fort lauderdale florida and vanished in the atlantic ocean before completing their mission so flight 19 was scheduled to complete a three-hour exercise which entailed heading east to conduct bombing runs and then flying over the grand bahama island and then eventually pivoting southwest to return home so the weather was really good. They had all the planes checked out right before they went. And then these planes were actually nicknamed Ironbirds because of how sturdy they were. Mm. But along the way, the flight's leader, Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor, became paranoid when his compass failed and he believed that the planes were moving in the wrong direction. He instructed his fleet to fly northeast, thinking he was heading towards Florida, but he was actually traveling deeper into the Atlantic. As the planes reached closer towards the Bermuda Triangle, their signals started fading. Eventually, all communication was cut and the planes were never seen again. The last thing recorded was, quote, everything looks strange, even the ocean. It looks like we're entering white water. We're completely lost. And then they never heard from him again. That's a little ominous. That's crazy. And then after that transmission, a PBM Mariner flying boat left on a rescue mission. And they had one radio back to Florida. And then they disappeared, too. So who knows? <laughs> no. of, yeah, it's just like I would hate to be the like rescue people because at this point people are probably like superstitious. Oh yeah, yeah. Or, like is the <laughs> yeah rescue just, just gonna? <laughs> you got the short stick, you know. That's yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, which I mean, yeah. You think like how can they just lose entire ships or planes or whatever? And it's like, well. It was like what? How just a few years ago they lost the entire plane, like the MH370 yeah. or whatever, and they've 
never found it. <laughs> yeah, there was some oh. like Bermuda Triangle. I'm like, it's not even the right side of the world. <laughs> they weren't even close. Not even. <laughs> so the disappearance of the Flight 19 was so baffling that the official Navy report said, quote, we are not even able to make a good guess as to what happened. It is if they have flown to Mars. And like I said, there's a lot more stories and I'll have links to all of them in the show notes and on the website. So if you want to learn about all the other ones that went missing, there's so many. Okay, so let's dive into why everybody thinks everybody keeps disappearing. <laughs> the disappearances are attributed to everything from alien objections to alternate dimensions. There's some wild theories. <laughs> wow. And then there's like some that are not completely crazy like there's actual some scientific explanations that people think we might be getting close to what's happening so we'll start with the things that are likely and then we'll just slowly dissolve into madness (laughs) so the obvious answer first is extreme weather conditions so most atlantic tropical storms and hurricanes pass through this area so if you just think about even today like all the hurricanes and hurricane season all swoop through this triangle area white squalls are intense unexpected storms that arrive without warning on an otherwise clear day so you could have perfect weather and a storm can pop up just like we were talking about the rogue waves like there's no way to predict it and it can happen so fast you don't have time to react there's also water spouts that are really prevalent in this area so tornadoes in the water which that would be terrifying i don't think (laughs) this is also part of the gulf stream It moves along the edge of the Bermuda Triangle, and it can lead to hive waves, which could easily capsize boats. These waves hit in absolutely no warning at all, and they can be hundreds of feet high. Waves that high could even be, like, they could knock out planes, too, if they're, like, lower to that. Because there's a lot of reports of, like, it's super foggy or there's lightning. So if they went down lower to miss the lightning and, like, those tiny little seaplanes. Yeah. Yeah, I had read that there had been like helicopters and like other small planes that had gotten hit by rogue waves or very large waves before. Yeah. So, so in a smaller plane that can't go above the storm, you would go under, I would imagine. I don't do planes. Yeah. So I yeah. don't know. Well, and I think there are like certain, like if you're that type of pilot, like you have to have a special, some sort of special certification to be able to like fly basically above the clouds. So yeah, so like a lot of, I think pilots would only be allowed to fly beneath so so there you go (laughs) yeah makes sense to me (laughs) yeah i just thought this was wild so the gulf stream is reported to move faster than four to five knots which is about you know four to six miles per hour so that's pretty fast for a current Mm -hmm. the ocean so that wowza and that's 300 times faster than the amazon river she fast. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, this would be enough. And it's fast enough that it would throw sailors a mile or so off their course. And then if yeah. they didn't compensate correctly, then that's how they could get lost. And and this area also has some of the deepest underwater trenches within it. So it's not crazy to think that we haven't found a lot of wreckage because they're way below what we think where they would be. Yeah. <laughs> And the Bermuda Triangle appears to be one of the places on Earth where compasses have trouble pointing true north. If you add the lightning, which a lot of them report at the same time, that also intensifies magnetic fields. Hmm. Speaking of lightning, I did see that ball lightning could be another reason people saw weird lights in the sky. Totally. Yeah. So that makes sense. So a little scientific detour here. If you're like me and you forgot how compasses work. (laughs) 
like I feel like I got a general idea, but I'm like, I don't remember. So <laughs> because it has a magnetic needle that is attracted by the magnetism of the earth, which draws it to the point where it's constantly shifting magnetic north pole. The geographic north pole, on the other hand, is static and it's located 1,200 miles north of the magnetic pole. So the variation between these two readings is known as the magnetic declination or a compass variation. And which this is what changes as you move across the globe. So this difference between them two. The agnotic line is an imaginary line where true north and magnetic north are in perfect alignment. There's no magnetic declination at this point. At points west of the agnotic line, the magnetic needle is going to point east of true north. And then at, you know, points east, it's going to be pointing west mm-hmm. of true north. I hope nobody's bored. <laughs> so navigators have to always compensate. As a geologist, this is my jam. So. Yeah, I figured you'd like <laughs> Like I literally remember being at field camp and you have to use a Brunton compass and you have to like set the the declination like for the location that you're at, like relative to, to true north. Because it, yeah, like you said, it varies depending on where you are yeah. in the world. So it makes perfect sense to me that navigators have to always be compensating for this magnetic declination when charting their courses. So if somebody, you know, passed through the Bermuda Triangle and they didn't compensate for that, it would make perfect sense why they're all getting lost or they're like, Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm at. That makes a lot more sense to me than aliens. But here we are. (laughs) (laughs) So the most recent theory that has been in the news in the last 10 years or so is that the disappearance of ships and aircrafts might be the result of large deposits of methane gas spewing up from the ocean floor. Huge eruptions of methane bubbles may push water up away from a ship that would cause it to sink. If the highly flammable methane then rises into the air, it could ignite the airplane's engine, causing it to explode and disappear. So if it's like a massive explosion, there's not going to be a lot of debris. Uh huh. So, quote, multiple giant craters exist on the seafloor in an area of West Central Barents Sea and are probably the cause of enormous blowouts of gas. And this is from the researchers of the Arctic University of Norway who have discovered this off the coast of Norway. The craters in question were a half a mile wide and 150 deep. The researchers think the methane le- leaking up through natural gas deposits caused the craters, meaning there wasn't just a gradual erosion, but explosions of gas as well. And they theorized that something like this would be enough to take out ships and airplanes flying overhead. But this happened in Norway, not Bermuda. <laughs> so it isn't clear whether gas blowouts happen at the Triangle area because they haven't actually discovered it there. And yeah. even if they did, it isn't clear how they would make planes vanish from the sky like really high above mm-hmm. like if it's a low plane possibly mm-hmm. but not the high one and then also there's a lot of incidents attributed to the bermuda triangle that involve the ships being completely okay and the people are just gone doesn't Ooh. make a lot of sense that's worse <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be, that'd be creepy to find just a ship that's completely empty and there's no sign of anybody yeah i was just trying to think like what what the heck would have happened there? Like, what would be a logical explanation? I guess it's like the only thing would be that they, for some reason, had to abandon the ship. And yeah. then, and some and of them then the lifeboats like, didn't make it or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like some of them, like all this stuff is intact. So it's not like a wave knocked them all out because then it yeah. would knock all the stuff out too. So that's yeah. the only ones that kind of confused me a little bit. Huh. 
Um, as far as the gases evolved, the National Geographic News described the notion that methane gas explosions cause these disappearances as a fringe theory. So they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's not a lot to it. So let's get weird. Okay. <laughs> Uh, science fiction enthusiasts out there there's wormhole theories oh dear uh that is essentially a space-time shortcut that could in theory even potentially allow for time travel Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and although wormholes and some of these said black holes which i am not an expert but i would imagine a black hole would suck us all in right yeah, uh, yeah. I think those are two. Maybe like black holes can sort of function in a similar way, or they're theorized too. But like, if there was a black hole, yeah, like it would just suck in everything. That's what <laughs> honor. I, I can't keep anything straight. And like, I don't know a lot, but I think I know that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, wormholes haven't actually been proven to exist yet. It's just a theory, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been. It doesn't stop anybody from throwing this into the Bermuda Triangle. And then there's also some, like, timey-wimey stuff. So this guy named Bruce Gernon escaped the incident of the Triangle, and he described it as an electronic fog. He said he flew blindly for three minutes, and then eventually he heard over the radio that he was about to fly over Miami. And he said he looked at his watch, and it was a 40-minute flight, but he did a distance that should have taken over 90 minutes. So, just like wormhole time travel. (laughs) (laughs) Or your watch could be broken. Sure. (laughs) Or you could just be so, like, you know, disoriented. You didn't realize where you started and stopped. Yeah. I mean, I've for sure, like, pulled into my driveway and been like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) What happened while I was driving home? I think you just kind of space out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so not safe. <laughs> and now our classic aliens. And mm-hmm. there's no actual like reason to believe aliens are behind anything, but it's a very convenient scapegoat anytime somebody disappears, I think. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's here. Some writers have blamed UFOs for disappearances, and they believe that, quote, aliens use the triangle as a portal to travel to and from our planet. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot in that triangle. If you're going to, like, come to Earth, don't you think you would land somewhere more interesting? Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, the argument could be made that they're trying to be discreet. Perhaps. Perhaps. Another fun quote. (laughs) The area is like a gathering station where they capture people, ships, and aircrafts to conduct research. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And this was the best. <laughs> on, um, uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved. And it made me cackle. Some <laughs> claim that there's a secret base in the Bahamas that monitors aquatic alien activity known as Underwater Area 51. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's all I need to hear. That's true. People <laughs> living under the water. <laughs> or aliens <laughs> living under the water. Yeah, so, like I said, though, I think... You could more easily convince me of that than some of the other alien stuff that's True. out there. There's been several movies, right, where there's underwater, like The Abyss. Is that the right movie? Uh, the they live in like a city under the ocean. 
I think that's right. Yeah. Well, and then like Pacific Rim, they like come out of the trench. Yeah. They're like less. Are they aliens? I don't know. They're like. uh, Who knows? Alternate (laughs) dimensional (laughs) beings. No, thank you. (laughs) Area 51. (laughs) You remember when everybody vowed to storm Area 51 and they're like, you can't stop. It's all right. Oh, Lord. (laughs) There was a. also like that's not true i'm sure but anyway after that there was a movement called storming bermuda triangle it can't swallow us all (laughs) (laughs) and this is a quote from the website uh and i've linked the whole website in the Mm -hmm. in the notes it's beautiful so quote attendees must dress up as spongebob characters or pirates (laughs) I'll provide the boats and the scuba gear. Mm-hmm. Just bring weed and a lot of beer and whiskey. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and <laughs> you know, he, uh, Carnival is the uh, guy doing this, and he also set up a fundraiser page in an attempt to raise seventy five thousand dollars for an event featuring live music and entertainment, and insisted that this was not a scam. <laughs> It's it's like the fire festival. Yes. Of. <laughs> That's what uh, 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 <laughs> it was scheduled for October first, two thousand nineteen. I found the page, and there were a handful of comments from that day. Uh-huh. Like, fuck, I'm lost. <laughs> Anyone know where the exit is? <laughs> ah, acid rain. <laughs> And finally, from this guy that I'm guessing took all the weed, did all the weed. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. do drugs. Anyway, it's like, quote, oh, I kind of got lost by the purple tentacled palm trees. I must have took <laughs> the wrong term after a giant rotating spiky tubey thing next to the glowing cave. Not going to be that guy and blame the locals for giving me bad directions. But half spider people were talking gibberish and now I'm being followed by a stone robot. Any ideas? <laughs> But that was the only comment. So apparently, yeah, <laughs> very well. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. So okay, <laughs> maybe you talked about this already, and I was just—I don't know—spacing out. Um, it's possible. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but so are there actually like a larger percentage of? ships and and other vehicles that disappear in this area relative to other areas or is it just like it's a heavily trafficked portion of the ocean and yeah so like there'd just be more that disappear um i will actually get into that at the end oh sorry haven't said it yet no no but it's a good question (laughs) that was the whole thing it's like is this really a thing or people it's more of a lore Um, right the last wild theory is that <laughs> so stupid oh, no. Atlantis oh I, I thought about <laughs> mentioning that before and then I was like no that's stupid <laughs> yeah. so the idea that Atlantis was an actual historical place and not just a legend mm-hmm. invented by Plato didn't service until the late 19th century in his 1882 book Atlantis the Antediluvian World the writer Ignatius Donnelly which what a name 
Yeah, he really. actually argued that the accomplishments of the ancient world, such as metallurgy, language, and architecture, must have been handed down by early advanced civilizations, as the ancients weren't sophisticated enough to develop these advances on their own. So, oh. fuck this guy. He's just <laughs> like all the other, like, aliens had to have done that, because of course they couldn't have built that. Yeah. Oh, I hate people. So, so dumb. <laughs> assuming the Atlantic Ocean was only a few hundred feet deep, Donnelly described a continent flooded by shifting ocean waters that sank in the exact location Plato said it did. In the Atlantic Ocean, just outside the Pillars of Hercules, the two rocks that mark the entrance of the Straits of Gibraltar. So long after modern oceanography and greater understanding of plate tectonics poked holes in this thesis, um, a lot of people still kind of clung to this theory, mostly due to its adherence of Plato's placement so if you look on a map it's just like the two continents and it's like a giant continent of atlantis in the middle Mm -hmm. which we know now couldn't happen anyway later writers expanded on this theory and added their own speculation as to where atlantis may have been one of these writers was charles burlitz grandson of the founder of the well-known language school and Mm -hmm. the author of many books on paranormal phenomenon hey (laughs) (laughs) So in the 1970, Berlitz claimed that Atlantis was a real continent located off the Bahamas that had fallen victim to the notorious Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) He then decided to put it out there that Atlantis still resides and thrives under the sea. Mm -hmm. His logic is that their technology is so advanced, it still contributes to the mysterious sinkings and disappearance of the Triangle. So he thinks that they're sinking people and then making them live in the city of Atlantis. That's why we don't find them. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a theory. <laughs> it's a theory. Supporters of this theory point to the discovery of what looks like man-made walls and streets found off the coast of Bimini, which I've seen the pictures, and if you know, it does look like steps. But scientists have evaluated these structures and found them to be natural beach rock formation for formation formations. <laughs> so they've proven that it wasn't that. But psychic Edgar. <laughs> I can't believe I'm quoting a psychic. Psychic case said that Bimini was one of the mountaintops of the ancient Atlantis. And Atlantis has special crystals that radiate so much energy that they cause navigational equipment on ships and planes to malfunction. And that's why they crash. (laughs) I'm the logic. I'm almost sold. So, not a fan favorite theory, but it's a theory nonetheless. And this is more of the logic again. Uh, Human error. A simple mistake can cause a lot of accidents every year, both in the air and the sea. So, any confusion or disorientation by a pilot or captain can cause deadly consequences, such as running out of fuel before they're able to reach land. And the Bermuda Triangle has a lot of islands that can be hard to distinguish from one another. So, it's Hmm. really easy to be confused. And then you throw in the stream and you throw in the compass malfunctions i mean it makes a lot of sense that this is majority human error yeah. some people believe that one of the bermuda triangle's most intriguing mysteries the disappearance of the bombers we talked about was human error and it kind of makes sense because he kept saying okay we're turning around so he was going towards the atlantic instead of land so that yeah. makes a lot more sense and then they later found out that he was extremely hungover <laughs> and that he'd also gotten lost a lot of past flights <laughs> so such a mystery a little less mysterious when you see <laughs> the whole picture oh no yeah 
and to... then some well, and it makes you wonder too if some of it's just like a little bit of a I don't know, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, something starts to go wrong with your plane or your boat or something, and you're like, holy shit, the Bermuda Triangle is getting me. So you sort of panic yeah. and like thinking as clearly as you might otherwise be. <laughs> or you're like, this is the end, and you don't try. <laughs> just accept your fate. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> like the episode with superstitions is the same thing. It's like you could freak yourself out to the point where you think, like, if you saw the Flying Dutchman, you know, you could yeah. get so freaked out, you trip and you fall off the mast, you know, like a lot of things could happen. Just Yeah, right. <laughs> like the psychosomatic aspect, you know, you oh, make for sure. sick because you think something's happening. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people argue that there's no mystery at all. They say that there are no more disappearances than any other parts of the world, especially considering the triangle is a well-traveled area. So exactly what you said. <laughs> Those yep. who subscribe to this theory say it's hard to separate fact from legend when certain ships and planes have disappeared. And if there were more wrecks, they say it's just simply statistically explainable because the high volume of ships and planes that travel there. So Yeah. Yeah. Like that combined with bad weather and yeah, mm-hmm. it just seems like. And a lot of early ships, if you're thinking like back to, you know, Columbus and shit, uh, they hadn't really dealt with hurricanes before either because you don't really get that kind of weather. Yeah, outside of England, so right, you're <laughs> sailing into a hurricane for the first time. Yeah, you're not going to do so hot. So he, right, yeah, we just did a Roanoke episode, and it was like you people were not prepared. <laughs> 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 like there were a lot of catastrophes associated with that, but hurricanes <laughs> seems to be a common theme with fucking shit up <laughs> for early people. <laughs> oh, true. And then I'm finally going to end with a couple of more fun facts. So the Charles Burlitz guy we talked about sparked a lot of interest in the triangle after he published his book, which was the Bermuda Triangle. And it was him and J. Manson Valentine. It sold (laughs) millions of copies. So this really beefed up the legend as well, because people are reading the book and being like, it's so cool. Producers of the 1974 documentary, The Devil's Triangle, was narrated by horror movie star Vincent Price. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And they offered a $10,000 reward to any viewer that could solve the mystery. No one ever did. So, <laughs> wop, wop. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of TV series like Wonder Woman, Scooby Doo, use the Bermuda Triangle as a setting for episodes. Yeah. And Bradley actually marketed a Bermuda Triangle board game. No way. <laughs> I need to get my hands on it. Like, you might know awesome. to get one. <laughs> and then I had forgotten about this, but the final scenes of St- Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind depicts pilots from every decade returning to Earth intact and unharmed from the friendly alien ship. So that was like alluding to the Bermuda Triangle picking them up. Oh, it's been a hot minute since I've seen that movie. So yeah, really. <laughs> wow. <laughs> The band Fleetwood Mac even did a 1974 song, Bermuda Triangle, which warned that, quote, it might be a hole in the ocean or a fog that won't let go. Oh, man. And then Barry Manilow also wrote a song about it (laughs) with amazing lyrics like this. Bermuda Triangle, it makes people disappear. Bermuda Triangle, don't go too near. But she doesn't see my angle. But she thinks I'm being dumb. So Bermuda Triangle, here we come. I just love that he rhymes triangle with angle. 
Yes. <laughs> Beautiful chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last little fact I found, Shakespeare's The Tempest was based off of the Bermuda Triangle. Ah, okay. Know that. So historian Sam Willis claimed during his BBC's Britain Sunk in History, which sounds like something I need to watch, uh, that Shakespeare inspiration came from a book that was written just one year earlier about a true tempest at sea while traveling through the area known as Bermuda Triangle. So he read mm-hmm. the book and he's like, that, that's my story. Yeah, that's awesome. Bermuda <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> Triangle, there's not a whole lot we know, but it's probably science and not aliens. Yes. Science and, yeah, people thinking that something's going on, but there's maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, it just makes a lot of sense to me that it's weather-related because it's just Mm -hmm. like a a perfect storm of all the nasty shit happening in the ocean and just like the small area. Mm -hmm. I say small area, it's like a million square miles. It's fine. (laughs) The ocean, it's pretty small. Yeah, (laughs) relative to the rest of the ocean. (laughs) small (laughs) yeah i don't i don't necessarily buy the atlantis wait i did do Mm -hmm. i don't remember what episode that was monsters i think anyway Mm -hmm. not important um there's a lot of theories that think that malta is actually what he was talking about and there's a lot of evidence yeah well and there have been because of changes in in sea level and stuff in the past for you know geologic reasons like there have been cities that have been like that are now underwater (laughs) it used to be major cities so i'm sure some of those stories like even if atlantis itself is a myth is like based Mm -hmm. on knowing that cities like just you know gradually disappeared or some of them very suddenly disappeared yeah even parts like ancient egypt so like the city that was Mm -hmm. what you know like cleopatra's you know, tube and all that stuff. That's completely underwater. Yeah. And Which also just like another reason that the real life ocean is scary. <laughs> yeah. And also like there's nothing to say that Plato just didn't make it up. <laughs> like that's still a huge possibility. Also that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's possibility. I mean, it's cool to think about. I would love the idea of us finding a lost continent in the ocean someday and just mm-hmm. like what that means for history for what we could discover but you know even if they were highly technological i don't think they're living underwater as sea people <laughs> i think there's <laughs> limits <laughs> yeah well and just based on like you know yes there's been like sea level rise that has swallowed up parts of coastlines or like there have been significant like earthquake or volcanic events that have you know very suddenly drop down pieces of land but in the scheme of like what like you said what we know about plate tectonics now and everything like you can't just get rid of (laughs) an entire continent like if anything it would just get like mushed onto another continent (laughs) so anyway yeah yeah. the earth is scary (laughs) that's the moral of this whole story (laughs) summary ocean everything is scary (laughs) we're all gonna explode this is is what i'm really good at just you know (laughs) talking about spooky things but then also talking about like hey real life is scary (laughs) yeah it really is it i see that a lot too like because if you just think about 
you know, ghost stories are great, but then, you know, you look at like true crime stuff, like real human beings are more terrifying than like, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, natural occurrences are just horrifying if you think about. And mm-hmm. uh, it's fascinating what you do, though, like study the extinctions. I think the Field Museum in Chicago has a really great exhibit with the different mass extinctions. Yes. That, oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and we've done like a little bit of um, back and forth with them on stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just fascinating. But yeah, I think even they like when you walk out the door, it's like we're in the middle of the next one. Yep, <laughs> it's all like red and like doom. <laughs> like, <the light. laughs> yeah, <laughs> what I like here's my doom and gloom take on that. <laughs> what I like to remind people is like. <laughs> like everyone when they talk about like all the disaster movies and you know thinking about it's like oh it's the end of the world and it's like no it's just the end of people on the world (laughs) just say it calmly as you sip your tea (laughs) the earth will still be here for another do you have five billion years until the sun swallows it up (laughs) yeah she's resilient the earth it's very yes. <laughs> humans not so much we're very uh fragile yes very so nice. you know just just in the context of the ocean is huge and scary every, everything's big and scary <laughs> the world is scary right now the world is scary i'm gonna go retreat under my covers now and <laughs> we're gonna be like those like really uh disaster apocalyptic movies where we can't breathe oxygen or like we can't have to live on the mood. I'm like, I'm not prepared for that because I'm scared of me too. <laughs> Underwater civilization. Uh, that might be okay, but then you have movies like The Meg where they're like biting your little underwater tube thing. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound fun either. <laughs> I don't. I'm just yeah. going to accept it. Just be like, now, ocean. It's fine. <laughs> Anywho, tell everybody how they can find your podcast. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, most of the main pod catchers or whatever they call them. You can also find us at uh, spookysciencesisters.com uh, and there are links to all of our various social media accounts on there as well. So yeah, if you want to hear me ramble about scary things. <laughs> Some more anxiety. <laughs> Being like, where do you want people to start? Like, is there an episode you think people should start with? Like the beginning or start more recent? Oh, that's a great question. Um, because our first episode sort of sucked. <laughs> I think every podcaster ever says that because you're still figuring out like who you are and your cameras and your mics and Yeah, we had no idea what we were doing. Um <laughs> Yeah, honestly though, I think episode two is a really great place to start though so like you can start sort of at the beginning so one of my absolute favorite episodes that for sure people should check out is uh which i don't even remember what number it is but um the main title is debunking hauntings so that was where we looked at some sort of famous haunted places and the various stories about them and evidence that's been collected and yeah like why some of it might not be so reliable so the other one would be the roanoke episode that we just did 
which was a, a super fun discussion. So, well, that's yeah. really cool because it just was in the news recently. Oh, really? Yeah, I think they. I think we've all known it that they probably just moved in with the natives, but they yes. tracked like DNA evidence that proves it. So, oh, yeah, we talked about that, some, but anyway, <laughs> we talked about that in our episodes. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was so much fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome to come back anytime. Yeah, hopefully we get Paige on sometime. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Do some yeah. sciencey things. Yeah, she literally just moved this week, so it was just like oh, sort wow. of insane timing. <laughs> yeah, can't even imagine moving in all this. Oh, I know. <laughs> like having to leave your house. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems stressful to me. I'm just a ball of anxiety now. Everything since it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Anyway, I'll let you go. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. This is great. Bye. I want to thank Megan from the Spooky Science Sisters podcast again for joining me for Oceans Part Three. I had an amazing time, even though it was terrifying. And I will always side-eye the ocean from now on. (laughs) If you'd like to watch these live and get to comment along, see everything in its unedited blooper-filled glory, join Patreon. That is patreon.com slash historicalafpod. And there's so many more perks if you join. You're going to know all the details first. You're going to get things in the mail. You're going to get merch if you're a higher tier. You can co-host. There's just a lot you can do as a Giggle Water Gang Patreon fam. So definitely check that out. If you would like to send in a story for the listener's episode, that is historicalafpod at gmail.com. And if you would like to buy merch, head on over to shop.spreadshirt.com slash historicalafpod, where I have added a fuck Columbus everything. It's on everything because fuck that guy. (laughs) And if you just want to go to one site and have everything on there so you don't have to worry about all these links, that is historicalafpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much. And I'll see you next week with books and or authors part one with Nikki, the page turner from page turners and button mashers podcast. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. Okay, bye.